Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 38 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Financial. I'm your co-host, Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner. I'm joined with co-host Tanner Bortnam, certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert. There's Tanner. How are we doing, Tanner? Welcome. Hey, Adam. Doing just fine. How are you? Lovely. I'm excited to talk about today's topic. Um, it's a heavy-hitting topic. It's something that we could probably trace back every episode of the F-Sharp podcast to, and that's generational wealth. Um, we queued that up in, in episode 37. So um, this episode, we're going to talk about generational wealth, uh, explain what it is, uh, why it's important, um, and then give you some steps and strategies to accomplish uh, generational wealth. So what say you? Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about this one as well. I know we've been teasing it for a while. Um, really, you know, I feel like this is a culmination of a lot of uh, you know, our previous episodes and you can find little pieces of everything from uh, earlier episodes that are all going to be, you know, building on this uh, happy accident there, no pun intended, uh, to help build generational wealth. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. It's what I try to help all clients do, of course, if it's their goal. For most people, I'd say they'd love to accomplish this. Um, but a lot of people just don't know where to start. Two minutes in, we have a Bob Ross <laughs> reference. Happy accident. <laughs> yep. Like that. That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's just start off. You know, I think it's pretty self-explanatory what generational wealth is. But for those that maybe not aware or want to learn more about it, what is what are we talking about when we say generational wealth? Yeah. yeah so um, without being redundant and, and using the term to explain itself, uh, I'll try to you know kind of come up with something a little bit different. And and really, generational wealth is is creating enough assets and enough uh, you know wealth. You know, unfortunately, I have to use that, but creating enough stuff that you own that not only are you gonna be fine for your lifetime, but you're setting up the next generation and you know hopefully even two or three generations down the road. Um, so that they get a you know a, a leg up as well. They're not starting over from scratch, and they're they're getting to you know start on first base, so to speak. If we're going to use a baseball analogy, they're already on you know on the bases and and have a you know a, an it an advantage really. I mean that that's what you're doing. You're trying to help out your kids and the next generation, set them up for success. Makes sense. I like the baseball analogy. Uh, I know. I thought you would. <laughs> Again, another that leads into to why. Um, why is it important? Um, again, I think pretty self-explanatory. I think most people that are either watching or listening to this probably understand what generational wealth is and why it's important. But let's just cross that that checkbox and just talk about why why yeah. it's important. Yeah. So I mean, I think really the first question is is 
that you have to ask yourself is, is this important to you? You know, I do have some clients, uh, you know, they don't have kids. So this isn't sure. really important to them because there is no next generation for them. So, um, you know, you have to ask yourself that, is it important to you? But if you do have kids and there, you know, are going to be next generations coming, uh, you know, coming down the road, um, it likely is something that, you know, most people are going to say, yeah, I'd love to do this. I just don't know how. Um, and, you know, we touched on it with a little bit kind of with what it is, you know, why it's important is you're, we all love our kids. You know, I mean, I don't have any kids. I'll speak for you, Adam. I know you love Miles. And I would assume most parents would say, yeah, if I can do anything yeah, to give I them mean, a head start, reason, I want to do that. And I so really it's just I've trying to help set them up, you, um, you know, for a, a as much friend success as they can have our throughout their lifetime. That causes me to be curious about that. But um, I think that that is one of the main reasons of why um, I've been curious to to explore and educate myself with financial literacy, but also knowing that, you know, and I'm not, not to be super a Debbie Downer, but I don't, I would consider myself, I didn't or don't think I will receive that first base head, head start. So I, I wanted to give my family or my kids um, more of a head start than I, I received. So I think that's kind of the genesis of, of my financial literacy education. So um, yeah, I think that's a core um, foundational piece to, to why I've kind of, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but um and you're like, there's always just this other things that I'm looking at and you're freezing. So I'm like trying to make sure that we're still live and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, <laughs> no, clear as mud. Going. We're just going to move on to um, steps and, and strategies to accomplish this. And, and there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about, but and me reading and and outside of the podcast, I, I know some of my first steps that I think um, is important to build generational wealth, and I just want to kind of bounce those off you. But what are what are some of the first steps or strategies that we can go ahead and accomplish this? And I think we've talked about just a little bit about it already. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're going to have a bunch here that, that we have listed out we're going to go over. So I just kind of want to lay out the groundwork. None of these, I would say, are are more important than any of the others. Uh, they just happen to, this makes the most sense to me in trying to explain it for kind of from start to finish, like assuming that you're at the beginning of your journey and you just decided this is important to me and I want to figure out how to do this generational wealth thing. That's where we're going to kind of start. Now, everybody's somewhere along that path. And so you may pick up at, you know, the third thing we're talking about or whatnot, but we'll kind of just work through them here. Um, and I think the first one is really, you know, we touched on it. You got to have the right mindset. Like, is this actually a goal of yours? Um, as I alluded to earlier, you know, I have some clients where they don't have kids, so this isn't a goal of theirs. Um, but if it is a goal of yours, it can't, you know, 
the, the key to it is, is for this to work without a lot of luck, you know, without kind of lucking into it, winning the lottery type of a situation, you have to prioritize it. It has to be one of your top, top goals so that you're willing to put this above most everything else. I'm not saying put it above your family. I'm not saying put it above your health, but it needs to be one of your top goals uh, because there are things that you may have to sacrifice or you know things that are going to come up where you're going to have to make decisions on it. And if it's not a high enough priority, those other things throughout life are going to continue to take you know, priority over, over this goal and, and you're not likely going to get there because you're going to be prioritizing other things first. So if you truly want to get there, this needs to be one of your top, top goals. A um, couple of just, we'll be given some statistics uh, as we go through this. Um, you know, again, having that right mindset is we all can do this. I know there's been a lot of news out there, a lot saying that the American dream is dead. I think it is still alive, but I think it is not as easy as it was in previous generations. Um, but that's not to say that it, it's not there anymore. Uh, 68% of people with a net worth over 30 million. Now, again, that that's, that's tons. You don't necessarily have to get to that to be deemed generational wealth. This is just what one statistic I found. But 68% of people with a net worth over 30 million are self-made. So, you know, having that mindset of, oh, I can't get there. No, you can get there. 68% of people have gotten there, you know, who are over the 30 million have, have done it themselves. You can do it too. It just, it takes a lot of work. It takes, you know, effort, some good decision-making, some discipline, you know, all the things we're going to go through, but you, you can get there as well. You just have to prioritize it. And then again, kind of sticking with this mindset, the other one that I see a lot of that people really just need to get over is you don't be afraid to fail. We, mm -hmm. we really, I don't know, as a society, I don't want to say we, I feel like we're more accepting for failure to a certain extent because like everybody gets participation ribbons for everything these days. But at the same time, I don't know if people are like learning from their failure. I think it's just becoming like acceptable to I hate saying like acceptable to fail or acceptable to be worse. Just, I think it's like, Hey, it's okay. You tried good enough. Like, no, it like you failed. And that part is okay. As long as you're learning from the failure, right? Like I think that there's lessons to be learned from a failure. Don't let a failure go by and just be a failure. Use it for good, you know? And, and so don't be afraid to fail. Sure. Um, I, but don't and waste I understand that, that this question is probably going to be either and just be like, oh, yeah, I failed, you know, whatever, and, 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 and not on a case by case think basis, about it, but not, you know, um, improve do you upon set, whatever it is you failed when at. you're approaching generational wealth. I think, from my standpoint, we can use my situation. Um, given the stat that you just sure. stated, I think any what do you determine as success for passing generational wealth. I'm sure that you don't put a monetary value on it. Um, I think just giving Miles or and future kids um, educational costs and giving them that head start would be a success in my eyes for generational wealth <laughs> and passing that on. I think that would be 
uh, a success in my eyes. And I think that's important to define. Everybody has their own situation. So throwing out a $30 million figure like you just stated, I don't think is what we're getting at. Right, right. So two things with that. Um, first, let's do the $30 million. You're exactly right, and that's why I tried to allude to that and say that you don't have to get to $30 million to sure. have been deemed successful at generational wealth. That is just a statistic that I found, and I'm using that to show 68% of people with a net worth more than that, is that self-made did it themselves. From so scratch, we can I mean, do that's it too. Probably you have the ability a loose definition to do this. If you're of self-made, you I'm sure they're not. You have the ability to do this. You just have to make the choice to do it. Um, right. What? Correct. Yes, it's not someone who inherited thirty million. It's not the Rockefellers or you know the Kennedys or you know the people who have been in generational wealth for for many generations so far. Um, these are people who built it themselves. Now I don't know. It didn't state whether they inherited ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. But still, let's say you inherited a million dollars, you still have to do pretty well to turn a million into thirty plus million. You still are working hard to do that. So, but anyways, the 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 point is, is we we all can do this, and that's getting to thirty million. And as we're alluding to, you don't have to get to that point. So then, to your other point, you're exactly right. It's a case by case basis of what you deem is generational wealth. You know, not everybody's going to be able to get to that $30 million mark just based on <laughs> a lot of different things in their lifetime. But setting the next They're generation the up They've already scored. to be better and to be able to start on first base, like, you know, there's still there's second base and there's third base. Some kids get to start on third, right? Some get to start on second. Some, some are basically touching home when they start. Exactly. Right. So it's just... You're, you're at home plate. You're just trying to get your kid out of the batter's box. The further you get them along the field or along the bases, the better they have of, of a chance. And so sure. getting college paid for, you know, that's a good step. Um, but, the, you know, it, right. it really well, is. Well, I found it's, a statistic that according to Investopedia, 1995 to 2016, so, 55% I, of inheritances were under $50,000 and 2% monetary value on it, like $1 million. So everybody's going to feel differently about that type of amount. Um, I think most folks would enjoy $50,000 in inheritance. Um, so everybody has a, a different... Um, uh, viewpoint on how how much that that uh, average inheritance would be. So um, we've we've kind of discussed um, making sure that this generational wealth is a core correct mindset and is a core value. Uh, once we've what a real. Real quick, I want to jump in there too on this. So when we're talking about inheritance, because I don't want to muddy the water on that, creating generational wealth, if, if you get a, a substantial inheritance, that's your parents or a previous generation who have created this generational wealth for you. 
or your kids. And when you inherit things, again, for most people, again, not everybody, unfortunately, sometimes parents pass away at too young of an age, but for most people, you're not inheriting that money until you're well along your career and almost maybe in retirement anyways. So if that is how you are self-made, you waited a really, really long time. So I wouldn't really classify that. Well, obviously it wouldn't be classified as self-made, but what I'm trying to say here is, is like, you never know what type of inheritance you're going to get. And you have to wait for that for so long that I don't think, you know, a lot of what the, what we're going to be talking about is, is this is how you, you do it from the start. If you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, like, you know, this is what you need to be doing so that you're, that, that makes sense. starting point so of once the we've generational kind of wealth. Established now, if you get an that inheritance on top of that, fantastic. We understand that, that this is something pot, that we want to but do. You're the build. starting point, making sure the next generation What's our first steps? are, are going to be taken care of. Yep. Because I think that's step one. And a lot of the things I read, we talked before this, how I get irritated of, oh, just make more money or start a side hustle. I think yeah. It, so once it, we've gotten it, those past that, types of articles um, um, or or social yeah. media posts gloss over the most important part, which is <laughs> what we just talked about, education and understanding that this is something that you value. Um, so once we establish that, then then we can start with the strategy and how you go about that. Right. Yep. Yep, exactly. And we'll get to the social media. I'm glad you teased that one. Um, so the the next step I would say is, is you know, again, it depends, it depends on your age. If you're already in your career, it, you know, you're, I don't want to say you're set in stone, but you're, you're further along your path. But if, if you're a young person, figure out what you're good at. Um, you know, I would say a lot of societies always telling, and I got this same information when I was a kid, you know, oh, what it, find your passion, you know, find, find what you truly love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, you know what? I love golfing and I am just not good enough to make the PGA and to make that a career. Like I had to be real with myself. I'm never making the PGA tour because I'm not willing to work as hard as them. I don't have the talent that they have all of those things, but I love golf. So if I followed that logic, I would be wasting my life away, who knows, trying to make the PGA Tour type of a thing. So instead, I found something else that was interesting to me and that I have a passion for. Not as much as golf. I really love golf. I'll be honest with that. But I found something else that I'm just really, really good at. And that's how you're going to make money. Now, if you are a lucky person and both of those things are combined, if you're LeBron James and you are amazing at basketball and you also love basketball, good for you. You're in the 1%. But for most people, find something that you're good at. You can turn that into a passion because we can all be passionate about different things and your passions change throughout life. So find what you're good at and go be excellent. Go be excellent at that. That is one of the biggest things is be an expert in your whatever you do. 
you know, one of the analogies I heard is, oh yeah, you could be a plumber, right? And people are like, oh, you can't make money being a plumber. Well, guess what? There's a person here. There's a company here in Phoenix. I bet they make millions, millions per year because they are, they're the people everybody calls. They're the biggest plumbing company in the Valley. They're who everybody calls pretty much. So yes, you can make lots of money doing whatever. You just have to go be the best. So focus on that, you know, so figure out what you're good at and go try to be the best at it. Um, With that, if you're a young person, now, again, I went to a ton of schooling. I very much believe in education, but there is stupid education costs, very stupid education costs. You, In my opinion, you should not spend $200,000 uh, student loans to guarantee that you have a job that pays you $40,000 a year. That is not a good trade-off, not a good trade-off at all. So just make sure what you're going to do is going to pay off whatever those educational costs are and try to limit that because, again, a a weird statistic, but everyone assumes that millionaires are the smartest people. They actually, I'm not going to say they're dumb, but from a grade standpoint in school, they actually typically aren't the people who get the best grades. They're the people who are kind of that middle third, you know, type of a thing. They're not the top third, but they're not the bottom third. They're in that middle third. And so, you know, maybe not getting scholarships, maybe not getting those types of things. So limit your expenses because that's a, you know, that's a huge, can be a huge hole to try to climb out of, especially starting early in your career. And while you're in school or doing whatever you're doing, I think the most important part and the most important thing to learn is actually how to learn and to think objectively. Like just going in, and, and I'll use me as an example. This is a spitting image of, of me. It is more important to learn how to learn and how to be a self-starter and how to think critically than it is to be able to memorize a bunch of stuff. I was that kid. In high school, high school was easy. I didn't take a single note. I don't say that to be arrogant. It just, it was easy for me. I could sit in a class, listen to the lecture, and go take the test and get an A. It was not difficult. Undergrad came along. I had to take a little bit more notes and I had to read some things, but for the most part, it was very similar. Law school came. Here's dumb Tanner trying to do the same thing. I'm just going to sit here, take some notes. No, it kicked my butt. Finally, in law school, I had to learn how to learn, but that is when this you know, the switch flipped in my brain of like, this is how life is. This is the important part. Being able to critically think and figure things out, learning how to learn, you know, knowing how to be able to take something and I can self-teach myself now, whatever topic it is, that is so, so important for every person. And especially if you want to build this generational wealth, because you have to have that desire to continue to want to learn, to be able to figure stuff out on your own, you know, and and really work at it. It's not something that's just going to be handed to you unless you are that person that's already in the dugout. And for most of us, that's not the case. So we have to go create this. We have to go figure out how to create this generational wealth. And you have to be able to learn how to do that. 
and and learn you know i don't want to say learn on the fly but you have to be able to keep progressing throughout life because things are going to change what we're doing right now in 2023 makes sense a is lot gonna of that be different than, than what is going to be required advice, for generational wealth I know in 2033 know you know, i'm not going to approach laws are going to change different uh, things are going to happen so you have to constantly DIY be mindset that's why i've got you luckily um so i hope folks that are listening um either want to learn more or um know that having a financial advisor is going to be uh, an important <laughs> right. part to in their journey Yeah, and a quick caveat with that. I'm I'm glad you pointed that out. That is yeah. something we have, you know, coming up is working with an expert is is important part of this. But I still think even if you're work like any of my clients, I always say, please ask me questions. I want you to understand. <laughs> True. Like I want everyone to still understand. You can work with an expert, but you still want to understand because that's how you can take some ownership in what's going on. Plus, you make sure you're not getting screwed over. We've talked about that in in a bunch of previous episodes too. Like, unfortunately, there's a bunch of salespeople out there in my industry. So you have to know enough to make sure you're not getting screwed over too. So sure. don't just um, blindly put your early. faith in you know someone because they claim they're an expert. Keep learning along with them we, so that I mean, you you know make sure that common you're both theme, on we've the said same that page many times. Um, uh, next one we would talk about is is control yep. your spending. That was pretty I think that's something Earlier you that, start the better uh, better you know, odds. Life you have. advice you always hear: control what you can control. A yep. lot of the things that I've read was you know, get another income stream, make more money. I think those are those are easy things to say, hard things to do. Um, I think more importantly, and the thing that you should do first is take a look at your current situation look at your spending and control that spending and reduce it. Um, that's going to create more um, flexibility and with discretionary income, give you more um, more room to invest um, or start. Um, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's absolutely <laughs> right. perfect what you're saying. I 100% agree. Uh, all these things on social media talk about, yeah, get a side hustle, do this, do that. That's how you have, you know, it's like, or not Not that that's bad, not that that's bad, but is it easier to get a side hustle and have to figure out some new industry and some new whatever and start a business and blah, 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 blah to make an extra $1,000 a month? Or is it easier to go to your expenses and be like, wow, I spend a lot of money on X, Y, and Z and cut out $1,000 a month? Well, that's easier. Now, is it? are you going to be able to find $1,000 a month to cut out? You know, Again, depends upon your situation. But it is easier and quicker to go to your expenses and control those than it is to go try to make more money. Now, combination of both is best. But, you know, I think starting with your expenses, everyone can do that. Not everyone has the capacity from even a time standpoint to maybe go get that side hustle. Make, so everyone has the ability your to hustle. look at their expenses objectively it, and 
maybe I need to cut back a little bit on X, Y, or Z sure. and, and really just try to keep um, those Financial plan. Where does control. this all fit into the grand scheme of everything? That's right. Yep. Your first side hustle. Then your second side hustle can actually be a side Need hustle. A dead horse. Yeah. Uh, you know, we hit on this again. I don't. I want to. What's the saying? Kick a dead horse or whatever. Yeah. Um, we we talk about this in t- tons of our previous episodes. How important it is to have a good financial plan uh, at any age. Just knowing where you are currently with everything that you have, what's the goal, you know, work with someone that creates an actual financial plan. Um, I think we did, if I'm remembering the statistic correctly, we did it on one or two episodes ago. It's something like only 14% of people actually get comprehensive financial planning. And the reason behind that is, is again, in my industry, financial planning has become a buzzword that people are looking for. And so, a lot of places, obviously, you know, what's the math on that? 86% of places are saying we do financial planning, but it's not comprehensive. It's just like, yeah, it's basically an investment proposal or it's here's what you're estimated, you know, like, like going on everyone who has a 401k, I'm sure in your 401k, you can put in, here's my income. Here's what I'm saving. Here's how much I can get. That's not a financial plan. That's not a financial plan at all, but that's what people are you know, pawning off as financial plans. So make sure you're getting a comprehensive financial plan and and then stick to it. That's the biggest key. It can be modified, um, you know, life changes. And, and so the financial plan needs to change with you, but sticking to your goals of the financial plan um, and doing what's required under the financial plan we, to achieve those goals is the part yeah, that you need to stick with. I thought it would go away with that transition, but no. Um, we talked a little bit about social media, and it's not very uh, sexy to save. Um, trying to avoid well, right. get rich screen, schemes, day trading, speculative investments, all that type of stuff. Um, touch on that for us. We're re- you know we're, we're sorry we're we're ready to invest. We know we should invest. What should we and what should we not? I think is what I was uh, alluding to there. Yeah. Yes. So this is kind of, yeah. Yep. No, I I got you. And, and these next couple are going to, uh, you know, what things should we invest in? And and then the next kind of topic we talk about are going to go hand in hand. So there'll be a little bit of overlap. Um, but we want to invest in good assets. So so first the first thing is we want to invest in assets over liabilities, right? You know, I see a lot of times where people uh will start having a good income and all of a sudden they go buy a $100,000 car. Not a good investment. Am I saying don't buy a $100,000 car? I don't know. That that's up to you um and your financial plan, but Cars are liabilities. Cars depreciate in value. That hundred thousand dollar car will never, ever, ever be worth a hundred thousand dollars again, unless somehow it's you know number one of one, and that's the only one they ever make, and somehow it goes up in value fifty years from now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but what we should instead be focusing on is buying assets. Rich people buy assets, not liabilities. So buy assets and. When buying assets, buy good assets. And this is where the social media comes in. You know, 
I get, uh, I've mentioned this before, I get hit up all the time with the ads and this and that and, you know, the algorithms saying, oh, you're in the financial world, so here's some financial crap, basically, that we're going to put in front of you of these people who are trying to become influencers and claiming to be experts. You know, Bitcoin, yeah, there's people that made millions of dollars off of it, but I would say there's more people who lost money from it. That's speculative. Can you make money off it? Sure. If you want to dabble in it, fine. Not something you want to try to build generational wealth off of. Um, you know, what else are we at? Uh, the day trading. We did that with, you know, GameStop and all that. Were there people that made boatloads of money? Yes, but more people who lost. So again, anything that is brought up or said, oh, this is a slam dunk. This is a, you know, you can triple your money in a year. You can 10x your money in a year. Like all of those things, that's a sales pitch. We got to like, th that needs to start registering in our brain. Those are sales pitches to activate the fear of you missing out. So you take a step and do something and buy something because they don't care if it actually goes up or doesn't. They've made their commission off of it. Um, another one that's on there all the time, life insurance retirement plans. Be very, very wary of those. You know, Again, we've gone over it in a previous episode, but if they were so great, why is the commission so big for the insurance agent selling it? If they were the greatest thing ever, they'd be like a stock and you wouldn't make any money for selling it because everyone would want it and the transaction cost would be very low and it would sell itself. So just be careful about those things. Do what Warren Buffett does. Buy good companies. If you want to model your life after anyone for generational wealth, I don't know a better person than him. <laughs> I mean, he's literally done everything correctly of, of this list that you could. And has he gotten lucky along the way? Of course, there is always an aspect of luck in any of this. But I would say if you follow all these steps for generational wealth, you will create it. It's a matter of how much do you create is where that luck can come in. Do you get to 1 million or 5 million or 5 million or 10 million or you know whatever it ends up being that your goal is, the luck is kind of dictates how high you can go, but you you can get there just off of following these, you know, being disciplined and, and putting in the work. But, you know, just buy good assets not liabilities, and then of the assets by, again, by quality assets rather than speculative, get rich quick things. Yeah. Investing should be boring. And I know that that is not, as you mentioned, it's not sexy, it's not exciting, it's not Robin Hood and gamifying, you know, all of that. Yeah, it's not what it's supposed to be. There's a reason that people don't make a bunch of money on those other ones over time. And that's because that's not how it works. It should be boring. You should just buy good companies and let them do their thing. Be an owner. Go buy whatever company because I don't make recommendations on the podcast. Pick company ABC that makes whatever it does and is a good company. Yeah, is going to be mean, around for a long time and, and let that uh, company grow. And you're an owner of it because you own some of it and, and you own some of the shares so, yep, and you yep, get to grow with them. Until and you don't have to do anything about it. The they do all the work. Um, and I caught myself very recently breaking news but um so i'm i'm stepping into a new position so i got a nice raise and thank you yay um so i found myself right away going all right i should get a new car 
Congratulations. We looked at a house. And then I was just like, what am I doing? Like, nope. Let's discipline was that word you talked about. Model yourself. Discipline. It took a lot of discipline um, (laughs) to just say, yes, I would like a new vehicle. Right now, I currently drive a car and I live in Minnesota. So that would be a a, a want is to upgrade. But um, I just took a step back with Greta. I was like, nope, we need to pay ourselves first, be disciplined. Um, we can have the luxury of doing other things first. Do we, now we can do, go see Tanner more <laughs> or do vacations or save more. Um, we have more, um, opportunities, but we, I found myself the, one of the first things to do, pull up and start Yay, looking at trucks. Like, also fun. Nope. <laughs> don't want to do that. Yeah, and, and and just to play off that real quick, because I want to keep moving through this so that this doesn't become an hour and a half long episode. Um, but that goes back to having a financial plan, because you mentioned it. Pay yourself first. That's an gr- amazing, amazing key that we haven't talked about yet. Pay yourself first, and then if you have the financial plan built out, you know what your expenses are, because you did that in a, one of our previous steps, and you pay yourself first to make sure you are on track for whatever your goals are, well, now you know what the extra money is to do whatever you want with. Like the goal of this is not to, I mean, for some people it is, you know, I, I, I know some people that they're very, very, very frugal and saving is everything. But for most people, it's, it's walking that tightrope of, I want to make sure that I could do X. And so pay yourself first, make that like an expense and make sure that you're going to achieve that goal. And then any extra money, do whatever you want with it. That's to live life. That's to enjoy life right now. You know, that's all of those extra things, but make sure you're paying yourself first. So we'll walk through that in your financial plan um, sometime. We, we've but kind of talked maybe about you can't get that truck. You just how, gotta you know, make sure that you can do all those other you know, things first. Understanding the mindset. And then you can go to your wants, right? Needs first, do, then um, anything you want to add on kind of what you should do to accumulate before we get into kind of the vehicle of passing the accumulations. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, one of the the biggest things, and I alluded to it you, a little bit research with Warren Buffett, people? is I think everybody that has this as a goal for generational wealth needs to research rich people. Don't envy them. Well, actually, envy them. I don't. But care. is he the don't, exception to the rule? Because I oh, I mean, war, there's books the written on Warren Buffett. There's pretty humble. Uh, Warren Buffett um, still I mean, lives in that's his a very easy home. one with Berkshire Hathaway. Um, you can read the quarterly reports. He puts out tons of right. great information. At that's fair every year to his. But there are a lot of greedy rich people. So, yeah, but that's my point. If you're going to model yourself after anyone, that's the perfect person to do it. Um, but even even if you, oh, absolutely, Abso- absolutely, there there absolutely are. But it's it's not like that's my point. Is it shouldn't be about that. Like don't don't hate rich people because you envy them. Figure out how to join them. Figure out what are they doing that I'm not doing 
and go do that. Or if you can't do the same thing, like I can't do what Warren Buffett did, to be very honest, none of us are going to be able to do that because one, he's the greatest investor ever. And two, they're just how the markets are now is different than when he started, right? So it's just, it's a different time, but you can still, I mean, I think people would be okay saying, oh, I was only one one hundredth as good as Buffett and he's worth however many billion, you know, like that'd be hundreds of millions of dollars you'd still have. You only need to be 1% as good as him. <laughs> That's what I was so trying to get at. just <laughs> follow the things that he does or any other rich person. You know, if you want to, uh, okay, I, I, I got to take that. I got to reel that one back in a little bit. Maybe not every other rich person, but self well, right, but like pick a self-made person. You know, let, let's take Elon Musk, for example. He's a very polarizing person or Jeff Bezos, very polarizing person. A lot of people hate them. Again, for whatever reason, I think it's envy for the most part. They shouldn't have as much money as they do. Well, that's not my problem. They have it. Um, but what did they do? They went out, found a need and created the thing to solve that need. I mean, look, Amazon, right? We did not have an Amazon. We had a Walmart, but you had to go do it. We didn't really have online shopping. He was the first and the best. He's figured out how to do two-day shipping when our own government can't figure out how to do you know, its mail anywhere near as efficiently as what he does. Like, And it's free shipping if you have Prime. Like, all these things. They figured it out. There was a need in society, and he figured out how to fill that need. And when you do that, you are rewarded very, very well. So find that. Go, you know, model, again, model yourself after current millionaires. You know, it's not, it's not a secret recipe of how to become a millionaire. There's just different ways to get there. There's different paths, but they all have similar commonalities amongst them, which are as much as it seems like rich people live these extravagant lifestyles. And yes, we do have some of that. And we, of course, see it on social media again, which is the crook or the, the root of most evils. But most of the your millionaire next door type people, they're actually pretty frugal. They are the Warren Buffett. They bought a house and it was just fine for them. They made it their home. They lived in it as they continued to make more money. They didn't continue buying bigger homes that they didn't need. They didn't keep buying more fancy cars that they and more expensive cars that they don't need. Um, they just kept living their life and making more money. And so be somewhat frugal. Now, I'm not saying don't enjoy your life, but live within your means, right? Um how do you view money? This is another huge one that's a difference between people with wealth and people who don't. Do you view money in abundance or do you view it with a scarce mentality? And they've done tons of research on this. Overwhelmingly, millionaires mm. view money in abundance. They're willing to take risks. They're willing to fail because they know there's plenty of money out there. And if this doesn't work... I will make something work. I will work hard enough. I will continue working and something is eventually going to work and there's plenty of money and I will be rewarded. Whereas people who don't overwhelmingly have the idea of there is only so much money. I can't take this risk because what if I fail? 
What if, and you're always in competition with everyone because there's not enough money. Have the other mindset. There's plenty of money. There's so much money in the world. I mean, go back and listen to one of our episodes, previous episodes on the amount of debt the United States has, right? That amount of money is out there in the economy, plus even more of it. There's plenty of money for all of us. Have that mindset. Go get it. Go get your money. Um, and then kind of uh, a couple other things with that that rich people tend to do um, is they don't... Uh, they don't have you know what's called kind of this victim mentality. If something bad happens to them, it's not because the world is out to get them. It's not because something is unfair. It's not, it's just, Hey, it's a lesson. I failed, you know, like I alluded to with, um, with my <laughs> golf, right? I am not good enough. I'm objective with that. I'm not good enough to make the PGA. Let's take basketball. Cause I brought up LeBron James. I am not good enough to be in the NBA. I'm five foot eight and I cannot jump. I am not going to be able to dunk a basketball. So I'm not going to sit here and cry and moan and try to get the NBA to lower the hoops to seven feet so that I now can dunk and change the rules for everyone. I'm just going to go find something else that I'm good at. Maybe I start shooting three pointers because, you know, and be like a Steph Curry or again, I'm not going to be Steph Curry, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like you can find your role. Not everyone is good at everything and that's okay. Find what you're good at and go be great at it. Don't, you know, don't fall victim to that victim mentality of like the world's against you. Like, no, the world is out there for you to take advantage. I don't want to say take advantage of that sounds terrible. The world is out there and has plenty of opportunity for you. You need to take advantage of that. Go keep finding, go keep trying. Uh, and that's what, what, um, millionaires do. They keep trying. They hit that first roadblock. They don't just stop. They keep going. They keep going. And then another one, overwhelmingly it's 88% of millionaires are entrepreneurs. They start a business. Again, I alluded to that with Jeff Bezos. Now, Grant, he's extremely wealthy, but he found a need and he built a business to do that. Um, so again, it's 88%. Statistics show it. 88% of millionaires are entrepreneurs. So whether that's a side hustle, whether that's just, you know, you start your own business Take that risk if it's something that interests you. It's not for everyone. Again, it isn't. There's risks risks associated with it, but when you go out and work your butt off and are successful at it, you're rewarded very well for Every taking that risk Bezos, that got, a lot of other people are not willing to take. So head. that's I wish I one of the it, fastest ways to get there that? is go start your own company uh, and, and work your butt off to be successful but, at it. Um, so <laughs> um, another learning portion of of what uh, this episode know. is um <laughs> i don't know probably but i don't taxes what type of taxes are we to be aware of when we're harboring um this wealth and, and passing it along um i, I uh, taxes are the bane of my existence so you telling me to learn the tax code i'm just gonna go mm, help <laughs> all of them <laughs> everyone's there's two well yeah exactly well exactly exactly and th this this works again this works in tandem with a lot of them so um all, all taxes the more you understand the tax code the 
more you can legally, that's the other part, nothing that we talk about here, am I ever insinuating that anyone should evade taxes or do anything that is illegal. But for whatever reason, Congress has this narrative that these tax loopholes are terrible things. Maybe because it's an embarrassment to them because they're the ones that drafted this stuff and created the tax loophole. So maybe they're trying to make it sound like it's bad and you shouldn't use it. Nope. It is a legal tax loophole. It is nothing illegal about it. It is not your problem or my problem that members of Congress create rules to play the game and that people figure out how to play the game better than what they did. It happens in everything, you know, like take the NFL a few years ago with uh, Bill Belichick sending out a running back and making the running back ineligible and confusing the defense because there's too, you know, not enough linemen, but it was perfectly within the rules. They're talking about it this year, the Philadelphia Eagles with their quarterback and two people coming behind to help push. They might take that out, but it was legal. It's part of the game right now. So if you're able to figure out how to legally take advantage of the tax code, do it. It's there for you. It's actually financially dumb not to if you have the ability to do so, which again goes back to the previous example of what do millionaires do? What do rich people do? Model yourself after that. Do you think Warren Buffett sits there and is just like, well, you know, there's this tax loophole that's established that I can use that betters Berkshire Hathaway, myself, and all up. of the investors of Berkshire Threw Hathaway, it. but I don't think that Congress meant it to be this way, so we're not going to take it. No, you take it. You drive right through that loophole. You drive right through it, and that's what we all should be doing. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a bad that's thing. That's what you're for. Like, they have a bad connotation, but we just need to get over that. It's, it is legal. So... If you yourself don't want to learn all of this, and I don't recommend you trying to, you need a very good, well, yeah, I mean, I would start with, you need a very good CPA. Mm. Now, I wouldn't stop there because as I love CPAs, have great relationships with a lot of them, but they tend to look at things in a silo year to year. How many deductions can we have this year and not always what is down the road. So that's where the merger of a CPA and then a really good financial advisor, probably one that has a CFP so that they actually understand taxes would be a recommendation I would make, working together so that you're getting both the benefit of now plus down the road tax planning for your whole life. But put those things together and let the taxes work for you. Find as many loopholes as you can that work for you and use them. Be smarter about it. There's there's no requirement that you have to pay more in taxes than you are legally required to do. So stop doing it if you are. Just I feel like this pay is a lot you're easier when you have an LLC or a business. And not a penny more. Um, None of us should have to do that. The rules are what they are. Play by them. Right. And that goes back to the 80, yeah, 88%. It is. It Well, it's not necessarily easier, but that's another reason of go be an entrepreneur if it's a desire of yours. Yet because owning a business opens up a lot more deductions for things that you otherwise would be paying for. You know, For example, if you 
Adam, I'll just take you. You mentioned you have a car. Well, if you had your own LLC and you drove that car for business purposes, that trip gets to be deducted and you still need the car for your personal, right? So there, there are things that you would own anyways that you now start get to take deductions for a business that you don't get to when you're a W-2 employee. You don't get to take a deduction to drive to work because that's just a requirement sense. Uh, as a W-2 employee. Um, you don't get a deduction. Once deduct we've that kind of put all this stuff like in, in motion you, you and open and yourself process, up to more deductions, um, which help. How do we go about again, importance teaching of the next generation? How do I team around teach you? Miles with real life examples of how do I, here you go, buddy. I'm putting this little, this ball on a tee for you. You got to keep that and, and keep passing it on. Just don't let it stop with you. Yep. Yes. Um, this is, in my opinion, the single greatest or single most important point of this list. Um, there is no point in trying Some to create generational wealth. Do that. If it does not benefit future yeah. generations, right? That's the whole point of doing it. Otherwise, you might as well just make enough money for yourself and then that's it. They can figure it out. And I'm going to do some statistics here. Oh, go ahead. Well, right. And that's fine, but that's their goal. But I'm going to give some statistics here that shows <laughs> the importance of this and the lack of how we currently are doing as a society with it. So 70%. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. 70% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the next generation, by the kids' generation. And by the third generation, 90% of them have lost it. Now that signifies to me, we're not, not, not we, but when this happens, you're not, instilling good enough values now you can't control another human being so if they're going to blow the money they're going to blow the money but you can do the best you can to instill future value or values for future generations and the value of continuing this now there, there's a couple of things with this one of the sayings i've heard before which is is, is spot on is unearned money comes with little respect so you're already facing an uphill battle for the next generation because they're going to be handed this, right? And we don't, again, I don't think there's a parent out there that if you ask them, do you want to raise an entitled kid? They're going to say no, right? No one's going to be like, yeah, I want to raise an entitled kid. So they're already going to have this and not have worked to get whatever they're getting from this generational side. So it's even more imperative to teach them the value of how hard that was to work. And it reminds me of, Yellowstone, if you've watched a TV show. And for those who haven't, I'm not going to ruin anything or spoiler, spoiler alert, <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's a huge ranch in Montana. And when it starts, it's on its, I believe, third generation is Kevin Costner, is the dad, and then he has kids. So we're, you're, you're watching the show with the third and the fourth generation of this ranch. And you see the burden that he carries of making sure he doesn't mess it up. Now, you don't want to create that because that's not 
in the show. It's not good. And I don't think that's good in life to create a burden for your kids and next generations. But you do want to walk that fine line of making sure that they don't waste it all as well and that they are continuing to value what you built. And if you can, get them to want to build on top of it add to the legacy like that that's you know my future kids that's what i'm going to try to instill in them is look this is my legacy and i'm giving this to you now build upon this and make this your legacy take what i have and make it better you know continue building that and and so that they can take some ownership in it and if that gets passed on every generation now you are looking at a rockefeller situation again that not saying i'm going to get to that level of of assets but just a four or five generation thing where no one has messed it up the kennedys you know whatever pick pick your people who who are like numerous numerous the the bushes you know president bush and well both bushes you know like you you're numerous generations where they haven't messed it up and it's because whatever they're doing they're doing it right they're instilling that generation where the next generation continues to build on it i think that's the biggest thing is giving that next generation responsibility but also the the ability to take some of it and and make it theirs rather than well here's just a bunch of money or here's just a bunch of assets or here's whatever that they get and they just get it they didn't have to work for it because then that's that's a harder hill to climb um i wonder why that is that they don't squander that and again statistics are very very much conglomerate not in the next generation's favor of just making sure that that you know continues Um, Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be family specific, but I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, a combination of what I said, unearned money comes with little respect. Sure. They didn't have to work super hard to get it. If, you know, grandparents work super hard and were really frugal and built it, they know what the struggles were to get there. Next generation may not. Um, you know, so you have some of that poor decisions, lack of parents passing down the knowledge to the next generation, lack of schools teaching financial literacy in general, you know, just there, there's a lot, there's a lot that obviously goes into it. So where does you know, the, be an advocate for your family and don't let that happen to your family. You know, pass that, pass that info on. You figured it out, pass that down and make sure that they keep it going. Yeah, it's very, very important. Um, if you're building generational wealth, you're going to want to have a very well-drafted estate plan. Again, not to get into this, we did a previous episode. You can go back and find it on estate planning. But you're going to want a really good estate plan that's geared around your family, however you built this generational wealth, however you want it to be passed on, likely in a trust of some sort, not necessarily, but likely, um, when do you want kids and the next generation to get funds? Do you want them to even get funds? You know, all those things, go talk to an attorney, get a good estate plan set up and make sure that, you know, that isn't the unraveling of all that you worked hard to do as well, because you don't want to go through probate. You don't want to have, you know, depending upon how much money you have, if you're in the estate uh, tax, one? inheritance last tax thing you want to uh, talk about. Oops, realm. Wrong one. You don't want to pay that if you can avoid it. Um, you know, so go go make sure you have a really good estate plan. Fat finger. 
um, live live in a healthy life once you've done all this hard work. <laughs> no, you're all right. I just had to move over a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so with this, um, you know, a lot of these I'm sure are going to come off as rules and sound really burdensome. And, and just being honest, they are. They are. Um, but you, again, you need to walk that tightrope. And I alluded to it a few times with, I'm not trying to make this so burdensome on everyone that they, you don't enjoy life. That's not the goal here either. The goal is, you know, to achieve this or achieve whatever your version of this is, but also enjoy life along the way and walk that, you know, walk that fine line of doing both. Um, you know, none of this matters if you hate your life or if you don't have your health or you have terrible relationships with your family because you're working all the time, you're so stressed out. Those things are more important. So make sure that you prioritize your health, your family, relationships with friends, all of those, your mental health. Those things are all more important than your generational wealth. And the reason that that is, is because if all those things are really, are going really well, it's so much easier to reach your goals of generational wealth because you're not spending extra time dealing with problems that you don't have to have. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself from a health standpoint and all of a sudden you start having a bunch of health issues because of it, well, now it's taking time away from building generational wealth because you're now dealing with the consequences of not taking care of yourself health health wise. Now, again, that's not for everyone. Things come up. People have unfortunate things happen. And I'm not trying to insinuate all of that, but like, you know, relationship with friends, your mental health. If you're not taking care of your mental health, it's going to be a lot harder to build generational wealth because you're not going to be as motivated. You're not going to have as much energy. You're not going to be having as much fun. So like focus, make sure you're taking care of yourself, family, all of those things. Um, those come first. Um, you know, and then as you, you know, kind of wrapping that up, as, as you do this again, make sure you take time to, you know, kind of smell the roses, those types of things and enjoy the trip. You know, you're working really hard to build all of this. Enjoy the ride as you go. Look back. You know, one of the best pieces of it, pieces of advice I got was from my mentor. And he said, you know, every five years or so, look back and you can do it sooner than this if you want, but look back and ask yourself, would five years ago, Tanner, be proud of where I am today? And that, I think for everyone, would overwhelmingly be yes. But the problem is, is we have such a recency bias that we look back a month ago or six months ago and be like, oh, I, was, I wish I was here. Yeah, but look where you have come from five years ago. Like, look at that. Look at that growth. And that's only in Cheat five days. years. Think if you keep doing that every five years, where you're Cheat going days. to be. So, you know, cut yourself, you know, some slack. You're going to make mistakes. It's like a diet. You're going to have that cookie every once in a while. It's okay. What? Cheat days? Yeah. You're, you're, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Warren Buffett's made bad investments, right? Like no one is perfect. You're never going to hit everything perfectly along this. You're going to have stumbles along the way. The, the biggest thing is that you don't, is that you get up and you keep going. And you try to limit the stumbles. Learn from that stumble. You know, if you have that cookie, finish that box of Oreos and don't go buy more at the grocery store. You know, don't keep 10 boxes in the pantry. That just makes it harder. It's harder to not want to eat them when they're sitting there. If they're not in the house, they're not there. You know, like 
kind of hopefully that's a good analogy with this is just you will Anything hit roadblocks you wanna just learn from them before keep getting up keep working at it and keep trying to get there and and you will you will if you have the that mentality you you will you'll achieve it um yeah just really really quick uh cuz i know that i'll get this otherwise just talk with your financial professional whoever you're working with but just very very quickly high level some investment strategies to help um you know try to put as much money into a roth as you can if you can put money into a roth ira uh, it's tax-free growth. That's the best type of growth that there is. So money you can be putting into a Roth is great. And if you have a 401k, 401k or some sort of retirement plan 18, at work and they offer an employer match, make, make sure you're getting the match. It's free money from the company. Okay, make sure you're you're getting that if you can. Sure. Um, we hit on it last. No, it's not percent. It's uh, $22,500. <laughs> Uh, for last year. If you're over 50, it goes up. But yeah, if you can, try to max that out. But again, like, I, I don't want to get too much in the weeds on all of these. This is what your financial professional should be working with you on. And if they're not, find a different one. Um, 529 plans, we literally did it in the last episode. That is now a gigantic potential tax loophole to help really boost your kids. Just going over some numbers very, very quickly. You have the ability to put up to $35,000 out of a 529 into a Roth IRA for your kids. Going, You can do $6,500 per year, so it's going to take you five years. I know I'm speeding through this, but um, if you do that starting at age 20 and you take five years to move that money over, by age 25, you'd be done. The kid would have approximately 38000 because you'd have a little bit of growth in there. I then did the math on that. $38,000 adding no more to that for the kid, growing at 8% per year. When they're 65, it's nine, almost $930,000. Talk about a head start, right? And, and it's 35000 that is earmarked for education that could go to education as those well. Those first three. Huge, yep, huge planning opportunity for people with kids. With regardless of the Talk business. with your advisor yep. about it. Um, if yep. they don't know what they're doing, find a better one. <laughs> um, start a business or a side business. That, uh, correct. Yep, absolutely. Uh, as we talked about, you can start a side hustle. You can start a business. Uh any of those, you get a bunch of tax deductions. We hit on it. Find a good CPA that can help you walk through those. Um, add additional funds to a regular investment account. It helps diversify your tax strategy. Tax-free, this is taxable, and a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k is going to be tax-deferred. Having money in all buckets is preferred because it gives you the most flexibility depending upon what future taxes are going to be. And... As always, work with a professional who is truly an expert, doesn't just claim to be an expert, and does not receive commissions. That's the biggest thing. Find someone who does not receive commissions. Make sure that they're, sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're aligned. Their interests me, are aligned podcast, with yours. I feel like not it's pretty redundant a lot of times. But How's that? Went, ran through that real like quick. Like you said earlier, end, I know it we're should be boring. To the end here. Like, we talk about the same stuff, and it, it seems easy, but once we... Um, kind of walk that path and are on that path and rubber hits the road, it, you, you start to see that it sounds good yep. on paper and sounds easy on paper, but putting the plan to uh, execution 
there are some some temptations along the way. But um, so let's just recap this real quick. Everything that we talked about this this has been a um, a lot of meat and potatoes in this episode. So um, start early, create the financial plan, invest, control spending. Um, multiple income streams. If that's something that you, you can do, um, side business, side hustle, start a business. Um, I think, uh, education as a right education, education as a whole, I think not to go on a sidebar, but, um, I think we're trained young to, to be good employees Learn. instead of yep. being employers. Educate yourself. Um, and so to, to, to reframe that mindset and um and have that um that that mindset to to, to kind of do it on your own, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, education, educate yourself, educate your next generation, and then protect your assets. Sure. And don't yeah, don't ask or don't be afraid to ask for help. Um work with professionals so that's what i yeah, got you well, and for. model yourself after others who have successfully done it already <laughs> anything else you want to learn learn from them say before we say bye-bye yeah yeah i think yep. we hit a record here we're yep. 110 minutes so i'm here for you buddy or 110 minutes one hour 10 minutes 70 minutes yeah no that was plenty so <laughs> all right that was plenty uh that's all she wrote that's well, all for us in this episode, we'll if you have any questions shorter. or suggestions for a, a an future hour, hour, ten minutes, episode, yeah. shoot us an email at podcast at financially sharp.com. That's podcast at financially sharp.com. That's Hopefully right. This episode's been Thanks, everybody. helpful. And if you've made it this far, kudos to you. We gave you we gave you some golf, baseball, football uh, analogies, some some Bob Ross analogies. <laughs> um no PGA tour for for Tanner, but maybe you know live tour is still an option for you. So, um, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Just keep uh, coming. Thanks for listening, everybody. Leave us a review. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that big signing bonus. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.
ブーッ。